Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The world-famous Superbook Sports is now at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 for help. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7, joined by my man, Sam Farmer from the LA Times. I've been reading Sam for years because I am at heart a newspaper person. I've lucked into this TV thing. I keep tricking him every day, apparently, but I am a newspaper guy, and Sam is one of the best. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for a reason. I, again, if you have a chance, please read Sam on any topic, especially in-depth features. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Troy. Thanks very much. That was very kind of you. And I think of you as a newspaper guy, too. Yeah, I appreciate that. I have a newspaper guy's face, so that helps. That helps. <laughs> With you, you became a prominent NFL guy, Sam, without a team. Like, that's when I read you so much. Is do you ever look back and go, How the heck did I get so expert on the NFL when we didn't have a team in Los Angeles for what was it? Yeah, 20 years. How long was it? It was, uh, it was 20 years, and it was kind of a dream job actually because I could go to the game of the week, I could go to Denver as much as I wanted, and they were had some good teams then, uh, uh, through most of that the Peyton stuff. Um, but you know, so then the NFL kind of floods the engine and puts two teams in LA and, and the, the fan base is just starting to sort of wake up to that, that there are two teams here, but, um, no, it was great. I mean, so much happened during those 20 years and I was on the road all the time, probably traveled more than any NFL writer and LA at the time was, actually more valuable to the league without a team than with a team. Because as you know, every city used LA as a club to hang over their own city when they wanted a new stadium. So it was a very valuable leverage point. Uh, so the league cared about how it was perceived in LA and it was, it was a good time to be the NFL writer here. Well, now you have a Super Bowl coming to SoFi this year. That's gotta be a, a measure of excitement. I know in a newspaper, the special sections and all that can be, you know, laborious, but that's got to be an exciting time when you look to the finish line of this season with fans back and what this should be a kind of a glorious uh, celebration of the NFL this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think the whole league this year is going to be uh, sort of a back to normalcy world tilting back on its, on its axis as we see full, full crowds return to stadiums and, and it is a huge deal in LA. I mean, SoFi Stadium, this $5 billion stadium, uh, really incredible inside. Um, and uh, you'll see it. It's uh, It's got that indoor, that California sort of indoor outdoor feel. So even when you're, you feel like you're in a stadium, you can feel the breezes and in, in an indoor stadium, you can feel those breezes going through uh, the stadium. And and uh, it's very low slung, low profile uh, because it's sunk a hundred feet into the ground. And so you drive up to it and you're thinking, this is it. It just looks like a bubble, a very low bubble on the ground. 
Um, but you go in and it's huge and cavernous and uh, the press area was sort of designed after AT&T in Dallas. So it's got that, it's, it's massive and uh, pretty remarkable place. So I think fans will be really excited. I can't wait. And, and the, big, the big feature there is, is the, the Oculus, which is the, the hanging oval, which is a um, video board, but it's 360 degrees. And so uh, it's a little like Dallas in that you find yourself watching the video board and you're like, what's going on down there? It's kind of distracting. <laughs> and you realize it's the game. You've been watching the video board the whole time. So. Well, it's I'm anxious to see. I've, I've flown over it a couple of times going out to Santa Barbara to see my youngest son play baseball flying into LAX. You, we fly, fly over SoFi, so I can't wait to get out there. I went to Vegas last year. That is the new nicest stadium I've been in. It was the Vikings the year before was the nicest. I mean, Dallas is, but it's just so enormous. It's a little different. Vikings was cool because it was so small and it felt, mm -hmm. and it's so loud. And then the windows in Vegas that open up to the Strip and that torch and again this is no fans so it was odd but that is the most beautiful right. stadium i've been in so now i'm looking to see and compare sofi yeah and it'll be really interesting with sofi because they have the capability to stream the game on the roof of the stadium so when planes are flying overhead now i'm not sure i'd want my pilot watching the game as he's coming in for a landing <laughs> but it's pretty uh Incredible. I told them they should time the ads up on the roof of the stadium. If you have an Air France flight coming into LAX, you could have a French ad or whatever and, and you know, find out which planes are landing when. But um, yeah, I think you'll really like SoFi. Uh, one thing is the convenience. It's just very close to LAX. I mean, you can be at LAX in, in eight minutes or something like that, uh, as opposed to some of these places like uh, Gillette, where you know it's it's an hour away from the airport. So, yeah. Anyway, all those things. Well, sports, I think. Uh, it's it's fun. I mean, I can't I can't wait to get there. And again, Sam, for my audience here, I'm joined by Sam Farmer, the LA Times. That he's covered the NFL for decades now, and so he has a perspective. We I like to widen the lens on this podcast that isn't so narrow just to Broncos because I think sometimes when people focus just on the Broncos, they're not aware of maybe why the team has struggled because you don't understand the perspective of the rest of the league. But one person you do have direct knowledge of George Payton, the new GM, uh, you, you kind of give the backstory. You knew the family growing up. Now George is a GM. What do you think of him becoming a GM? It's, and I'm talking to you in the past. I know you're not surprised given his work ethic, uh, necessarily surprised. And what do you think so far of how the job George has done uh, putting together his first roster? Yeah, well, I I am somewhat biased as, as I've known George um, since he was a freshman in high school. I was a senior at Lockingout High School and he transferred to Loyola. But his two brothers, his two older brothers, John and Frank, are good friends of mine. Um, in fact, I had dinner uh, with Frank last night, and uh, uh, I think George has done a great job, just like I expected. I mean, this is a guy who was in demand for many years by lots of teams, including the Rams, to be their general manager, but kept you know he continued he's very loyal so he stayed in minnesota and uh i think they made it worth his while to stay in minnesota but they knew the value of this guy his, his encyclopedic knowledge of the league and of personnel uh his ability to evaluate players and, and work with people and really be he'll be the last you know we've heard it a million times but his will be the first and last car in the parking lot and uh 
he works like crazy and and uh, uh, really excellent, excellent guy. But I think he's done a really good job. I really like what they did with, in the draft, both with uh, Patrick Sertan and and with Javante Williams in those early picks to resist taking a quarterback to, um, uh, you know, and take a great defensive player that only solidifies that fantastic secondary in Denver and, and uh, really the hallmark are the Broncos. Good Broncos teams are, you know, you think back to the Orange Crush defense and you think about what this team can do defensively um, in a division with so many great quarterbacks, um, you know, as well as Derek Carr played last year, but obviously you've got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert coming on uh, to have a, uh, a really solid secondary is important. I think obviously he's got the, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to come in and um, do a really good job. George knows him so well from Minnesota and, uh, and that deal was interesting because Scott Fitterer, who's another kid I, I covered as a high school kid. I didn't cover George, but I covered Scott as a high school athlete and is now the general manager in Carolina. So I was really excited to see him get that job. Uh, to see George and Scott working together was a little twilight zone for me. But um, but I think that's a team that can be really, I, you know, Javante Williams, I can see him uh, ultimately resting that job from, uh, from Melvin Gordon and and I think if they figure out the right side of that offensive line right tackle and and you know it feels like they're coming on at center and and uh, certainly left side Garrett Bowles uh, had a really strong year last year I think it'd be a really good team so I like what George has done I am interested to see what ultimately happens at quarterback there yeah Broncos country they like he's, he's had a measured approach a calculated approach I love the fact that he puts in the time, you know, he does, he's a shark, no wasted movement. Everything has a purpose, you know, with Broncos country. Now they just, it's, it all so much of it hinges on the quarterback question. And can Teddy be, can Teddy beat out drew and they win nine or 10 games because he takes care of the ball. It's a weird question because Teddy, for me, Sam, his floor is much higher than Drew's floor. Drew's ceiling's higher. He's more athletically gifted, but, given that Fangio's 0-7 in September in his first two years, to me, they have to get off to a good start. They play the Giants, Jaguars, and Jets. I mean, you can't yeah. go 1-2 and two in those take games. take advantage of that. Have to That's take why advantage. I give Teddy a slight edge going into camp because of that. Like, you know he can win games. And I know people roll their eyes at that. Quarterbacks don't win games. Well, quarterbacks that take care of the ball with this defense should be able to win games, especially against – the teams I mentioned, because the Giants game is going to be tough, but you have to beat the Jaguars and Jets. Yeah, and getting off to a good start in Denver is so important because ultimately the weather uh, will weigh in your favor. And if you have you build some momentum and, um, you know, build momentum with the fans and everything and get everyone excited, it only makes it more difficult to come in, in, into Denver and win. So um, I think it is really important that's – uh, that, those are disturbing numbers, uh, particularly for Bronco fans. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. And, and, five, and, five years without the playoffs. Sam, first Super Bowl champion to miss the playoffs at five straight years after four straight losing seasons since 1963 to 72. That's what I mean. It's been jarring. Like we're Broncos country spoiled in that they had John Elway, they had Peyton Manning, and they had even Jake Plummer in a year of Tebow. You know, for so the better part of 
22 years really to hall of fame quarterback play to good quarterback play. That's why these last five years have just been, because <laughs> they've not oh, given really their access. Jarring. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it's really jarring. And you think about Denver uh, and I said it before, I mean, Denver's a crown jewel franchise. It has to be uh, the league is a better place when Denver's good and uh, more exciting league. And we, the fans there are exacting because they, you know, they have the right to be. Denver has provided them with a lot of exciting moments. I mean, you brought it up. Just think about the all the excitement around Tebow and what happened there, and think about that playoff game against Pittsburgh. And you think about you think about Peyton and everything he was able to do there, and and to think that they can't, you know, put twenty points on the board, um, but they can save twenty timeouts. <laughs> they're good. They're not good at putting points on the board. They're good at saving timeouts. Uh, no, you think about uh, uh, the excitement that that Denver has has provided over the years, um, and I really hope the league return. You know, the, the Broncos are good again because the league is a better place when they are. Yeah, I agree with you there. Just because of they're in that afternoon window, they become a kind of a marquee franchise. Well, we'll look. Off will broaden, you know, again, widen the lens. You can see him on Monday night, right? You, you can't see him on Monday night this year. Yeah, first time, I think it's 29 years. It ended their streak, longest active streak in the NFL. Again, and, I, and that's not an insult as much as just a, it is an indictment of a team that's been bad and boring. It's one thing to be bad. Like you can lose 34-32 and end up having a bad season. When you struggle to score, and at times it feels like when you get a first down, they stop the game and give you the football and put it on the jumbotron. That's a problem when you're putting it on Monday night football, you know, again, yeah. and defensively, they're going to be good, but you can't, and I'll ask you, for me, you can't be a great defense if your offense isn't functional. It's, yeah. it's, a, I've learned this with NFL now covering it back seven years or whatever. It's been six, seven. It is a complimentary sport. You know, in basketball, one guy can win it. In baseball, a starting pitcher can take over a game by himself. In football, you can't, I don't know, Sam, I don't see a great defense without a functional offense because the other teams just, Say we're not going to put our quarterback in harm's way. Third and eight, twenty-three yard line. We'll we'll run the ball. We'll do a, yep. a dump down pass because we don't think you can drive seventy yards on us. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you need that. They they really do play off each other. My believe in Broncos podcast is sponsored by Hoggett Injury Law. Their motto: With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal. Let me tell you about my friend, Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for the better part of a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. At those tournaments, we would talk a lot of baseball and a lot of Broncos. He's a huge Broncos fan. We've become friends. In fact, many of Darby's clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or find out more by visiting their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. So, are you hungry? Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, right now, and listeners to my show get free bacon for a year with every box order. That's free bacon for a year with every box order. That's one year of bacon. It's the best you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. It's spelled moink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com, slash believe, B-E-L-A-V. That's moinkbox.com, slash believe. Well, Sam, we'll do some rapid fire stuff because you do the full league. 
and this one is tied to Denver. It has been for months now, but Aaron Rodgers, you know, this every hot take is a, around the frosty relationship between Rodgers and the Packers. Where do you see this going? You've covered the league for a long time. This one is fascinating because we're talking about the reigning MVP. This isn't just a good quarterback, obviously a future Hall of Famer, but he's the reigning MVP, and we don't know where he's going to play. Where? Do, how do you see this playing out as training camp gets closer? Well, you know, revenge is best served cold, and I kind of almost, almost feels like that that MVP thing was revenge against the Packers for wasting a first round pick on a quarterback, and and uh, I just see as he is such a dug in, prideful guy that I can't see him. Uh, folding on this I just think I don't you know and and the further we go that he's not in camp he's only played in two systems a very obviously super bright guy but the further we go when he's not with another team the harder it's going to be for him to uh, pick up the new offense and and figure it out so but it really seems like it's it's this game of chicken is building to a crescendo and I really don't buy the whole thing about Hey, re up the stuff at the country club, and he's gonna he's gonna stay in Green Bay because of that. Um, it's really hard for me to see him returning the Packers. Maybe it happens, but I'd be surprised. So uh, he might sit out a year, and we might have a new Jeopardy host. <laughs> I know Broncos fans are hoping he ends up here, but they may. Yeah, be- no, I, and, and I think that's that's certainly uh, entirely possible uh, that he winds up. I've always thought he winds up in Denver, but uh, the more time that goes by. Uh, the more I wonder if this thing's just going to end with him not playing football this year. Wow. Reigning MVP on the sideline. What happens with Deshaun Watson? Are we looking at a commissioner's, are you going to be on the commissioner's kind of exempt list? Where does this go? And I'm not asking you to play lawyer or comment on his, what's happened, but does he play football this year? Do you think, what do you think happens? With yeah. Deshaun? I mean, it's really, uh, it's so cloudy right now. I mean, I, and you think about back to the Ben Roethlisberger stuff, that was two incidents and no charges filed and he was suspended for four games. And, and we're talking about, you know, accusations that number over 20 uh, accusations with, it's just such a disturbing situation. And uh, uh, Roger Goodell has shown before that it, it doesn't matter to him who the player is on the other side. He's going to, he's going to levy a punishment. And uh, so I think it's, but, you know, that's another player that's sort of been linked to Denver and, and, you know, would Houston uh, take less for him now, but what do you do? It's a, it's really a mess. And uh, uh, you know, but I think anything less than a six game suspension would be a real surprise. Yeah, me too. Even with Denver, and I love, I was on the Deshaun bandwagon from the beginning because of his age and all that. I just, I don't know that I'd be comfortable bringing him right now. I'd have to do an independent investigation with my team, especially with Absolutely. a team that could have a woman owner um, in the coming years. I mean, you got to be real. For me, this thing would have to be vetted to the point where I was extremely comfortable. And even then, I'm not sure I would do yeah. it just because of the, the it, not just optics, it's just, it's a lot. So disturbing, uh, this stuff as it's uh, slowly being revealed. Uh, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what comes of it, but uh, very disturbing stuff. Yeah, we'll see. So maybe Rogers doesn't play this season. Watson, there's a chance he's suspended. But what about guys on the field, Sam? Carson Wentz, 
Sam Darnold, Dak Prescott. What should the fans look for them? Start with Wentz. I mean, if he can't succeed with Frank Reich in that situation, I mean, is it time just to say maybe he's not that guy anymore? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly as been that guy he was in what 2017 when he really was having an MVP season and and uh got hurt in LA uh, you were probably at that but, game I imagine uh game. you know I was somewhere else I was at another uh game and I can't I'm not sure where I was maybe a Chargers game or something but I know it was like December 9th or 12th or whatever towards ACL it was a big game and I was at another uh big game uh I think Bill Plaschke was at our game anyway he <laughs> um uh yeah, I think he'll be better. He's got an offensive line there. He's got some uh, some good receivers and certainly a, a veteran in T.Y. Hilton. And, and uh, I think he'll do much better in uh, Indianapolis. They'll be able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, Philadelphia had some such glaring deficiencies and it was just a, a downward spiral. Uh, I don't think he'll be the player that, that we thought he was, but he'll be better under Frank Wright. What about Sam Darnold, someone you saw personal, personal in at USC? I mean, that there's a reason he was drafted as high as he was, but you know, whether it was Adam Gaze, the Jets, personnel, his own injuries, it's just been a you know a bit of a misfire. Can he regroup in Carolina and show the guy that you know many thought he was coming out of USC? Yeah, and, and Scott Fitter, as I said, the GM there knew him well and studied him uh, thoroughly when he was at SC. And, you know, Sam makes a throw every once in a while. You're like, wow, okay, I can see why this guy was a number three pick. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be sort of like Carson Wentz. It's going to be not playing hero ball and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing the – not trying to make it all up with one throw. But he's got uh, – you know, McCaffrey there, he's got also some, some young receivers. Uh, I don't know about Brady as an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's obviously Joe Brady was phenomenal as a co-offensive coordinator at LSU, but that was a fantastic team. Uh, it's not like people were pounding down the door to make him a head coach uh, after this last season. So I think, uh, but I think he'll do well there in Carolina and build towards something. Uh, it'll be, um, not a great team though, right now. Right. And then Dak Prescott, I think Dak Prescott picks up where he left off. Left off. I think they're going to throw for a ton of yards in Dallas. And I think they're going to have a lousy defense. And so, <laughs> you know, it's going to be gaudy numbers, but I don't know how many games they're going to win. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they still, to me, they might still win the NFC East just because the NFC East, so I don't know what's going to happen with Washington. Philly's out for me. Giants are the wild card. They could take that huge next step if Daniel Jones is the guy. I could, you know, all of a sudden the Giants are right there because defensively they're pretty good. I mean, their scheme, their yeah. talent, they're they're not unlike Washington last year where they could beat you defensively. But ultimately, the quarterback position on both those teams is a question mark. Even with Fitzmagic, I mean, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick watching him as a fan because he's so entertaining on both ends, whether it's picks or touchdowns. But I don't know. That yeah. NFC East for me is up for grabs. I mean, I think, I don't know how you see it. Yeah, no. And we saw just, just how uh, historically mediocre or worse the NFC East has been in recent years. And, and it is a quarterback driven league. And so it all comes down to the quarterback. And I don't think you have a lot of answers at quarterback in the NFC East. So uh, I agree with you. And the Giants are a wild card. And, uh, you know, Philadelphia, I don't, 
I don't think that they were completely sold on their quarterback. And so Jalen <laughs> Hurst, and they don't know what they have in him. Um, and Washington is, uh, you know, defensively, I think uh, that can be an exciting team. But so Dak Prescott is the creme de la creme of the NFC East, but I don't know how much that says. Right. Well, what about yeah. the, the team that you'll see? I mean, your Chargers and Rams. First with the Rams, I mean, I have some people, I was talking to a guy the other, I think it was Friday, because Tampa Bay's only not favored in one game in, on some of the sports books, uh, Superbook Sports, one of my sponsors, and that's at the Rams. I mean, is that Rams team a Super Bowl type team, Sam? Or is it, what does it hinge on for you? Is it Stafford? Can they get back to the Super Bowl? Are we overlooking them a little bit? I think the Rams could be pretty good. I think that's a big upgrade at quarterback. And you've got a guy who's gaining about 40 yards on the ground uh, just because they had no running game to back him up there in Detroit. He's going to have a really solid defense. I don't know if the defense will be as good as it was last year. Uh, Brandon Staley's over at the Chargers. and and uh, But I think they've got some real, uh, you know, with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, they've got some, they got some really good. Uh, they they drafted every receiver uh, known to man now, so they've got lots of receivers. <laughs> they got lots of receivers, and they, you know, we'll see how they do at tight end. Um, and their offensive line has gotten old, and and you know, Matt Staff- Matthew Stafford, if he can really, uh, if he's as advertised and and as good as Sean McVay feels he is, that'll be a big step up because with um, I like Jared Goff. I thought he was could be very uh, solid at times when they were going well, but he was sort of the bellwether. I mean, he, you know, if things were going well, he was he was good. Everything was going fine, um, but he wasn't the guy you were going to load the game on his shoulders and say go win it for us. And so, um, so I think Matthew Stafford is a guy who can who you can do that with. And then the Chargers. Um, again, I mean, they can never stay healthy, uh, right. and they always seem to get in a, uh, you know, ideally they're, they're like, you know, um, they're like a Jaguar, you know, but half the time they're in the shop, you know? <laughs> a really nice car and when it all's going well, but, uh, you know, defensively, they've got some, um, they've got some really good players, uh, Justin Herbert had a phenomenal season. How does he do in his second season? Um, does he take a, have a sophomore slump or is he uh, continue to surprise people with just how good he is? I don't know that they've got a lot of receivers who can sort of take the top off a of defense. Keenan Allen's a great, you know, definitely an all pro receiver. And so, um, but that, that burner who's really going to stretch the defense. It'll be interesting to see if they can find that. I was talking to a couple of Chargers players the last few weeks, and man, they love Brandon Staley. They see him as kind of a, a defensive version of Sean McVay, just brilliant, energetic, positive. Yeah. And when I watched Justin Herbert, I watched him, and then he's gotten bigger and stronger, Sam. I don't know that Trevor Lawrence can be better than Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, for me, is Josh yeah. Allen, except he sped up Josh's timetable. I mean, and I was so wrong on Herbert. I should have asked you because I watched Herbert and the Broncos were thinking quarterback. His coach didn't trust him at Oregon until the ASU game. And then that darn Rose Bowl. I should have probably called you and said, what'd you see from Herbert? Uh, That was the game. That is who apparently who he is. 
I watched the other games they played. I'm like, their coach won't trust him to win games. So I figured, well, yeah. there's no way he's going to win games in the NFL if the Oregon coach doesn't trust him to win. And, and you think about how he started with the Chargers. I mean, he, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, they, they accidentally punctured his lung with an injection. And, and so it was a, he was a surprise starter with the Chargers. And you almost get the feeling like, wow, they might not have know, known what they had in Justin Herbert. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Tom Telesco and, and their ability to select players because it was a brilliant move taking Justin Herbert. And, and uh, he uh, and, and you talk about Brandon Staley. I ran into him uh, with Keenan Allen at the U.S. Open. I was at the U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago um, at Torrey Pines and walked a couple of holes with him watching Rory McIlroy. And, and uh, I really liked Brandon Staley. Didn't know him well with the Rams, but he seems like a really engaging, um, charismatic guy. And certainly I saw that. I mean, the guy was only, he was a division three coach like four years ago. So it's, <laughs> it's amazing how fast he rose through the ranks, but he's uh, certainly charismatic and, and uh, yeah, but, but Justin Herbert, you know, the, this guy played in four different systems in four years at Oregon. So uh, which would be an indictment of him almost. I mean, you almost think, well, drafting, uh, now you look at it as a badge of honor. Like he can, this guy can adjust. It's right. like Alex Smith took a long time to ramp up when he was in a new system every year. This guy consistently played well and, and uh, now is in a new system in the NFL and just took off without a hiccup. I mean, it was amazing. And He's so poised and has that that prototypical quarterback Carson Palmer type build. You know, six. He's huge. He's like six six, and uh, that's he's an exciting player and just the player the Chargers needed because they needed to have something that would engage the fans in L.A. to even so people would even know they were in town. Uh, literally, I mean, it's like you could stop people on the street and ask them. Who the teams, two teams in LA, or and half the people would tell you the Raiders. Yeah, so say, it's, uh, or they'd say USC Trojans and the two proteins, exactly. USC and the and the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. There. I wish they hadn't left San Diego. That was one of my favorite road trips, whether oh, it was yeah. baseball or football. And Qualcomm was a great place. I mean, it got beyond disrepair almost, but it was a great place to watch a game because the outdoor press box and the noise. I agree. It was a yeah. wonderful place. And Bronco fans were always there, you know, strong. I'm sure they're going to flood uh, SoFi that, you know, for that first game, Broncos fans. After that, we'll see. But, you know, I'm rooting for the Chargers to be competitive. That AFC West, though, for me, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you get beyond the Chiefs. I mean, they're, they had to redo their whole offensive line, but they remind me. It's like Chiefs fans finally have what the Broncos ha fans had with Elway and Manning. They have the ace card with Patrick Mahomes. Now, now Bronco fans know what Chiefs fans felt like for the better part of two decades. Yeah, no, that's right. Although Tampa Bay certainly had the, had the recipe in the Super Bowl. Um, but I agree. I mean, he's, they're the team to beat. Uh, you know, you look across the horizon in the AFC, obviously the Bills and what Josh Allen has done. I think that, that uh, his growth there, and he's a phenomenal talent too, and ability to run the ball too. I think the Browns are incredibly talented. Uh, they could have beaten the Chiefs in the playoffs. You know, I mean, that could have, that could have been much different. 
situation in the Browns. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to be good. And, and sort of an outsider, I look at the Chargers can stay healthy. They can make it really interesting because uh, they have historically, uh, when they're healthy, uh, given the Chiefs problems. So, uh, but we haven't seen that. You know, we hear that every year. So uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that'll happen. But, uh, and then in the NFC, if we talk about the NFC, you, know, you have to look at Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in his second year in that system he had some struggles early on uh with the offense but uh obviously hit his stride um and they return all starters there and i like i mean sam he's he's aging like benjamin button did you ever imagine when you were covering the nfl you'd see a not only a guy playing quarterback i guess warren moon might have done but i mean playing at that high of a level at his yeah, age, it's, it's like, come great. on. I mean, I, I get the rules have changed, but it's still mind blowing to me how good he is. He hasn't lost his fastball. Like, I mean, no, he and, 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 and literally, he did a few years ago. Literally, hasn't lost his fastball. I mean, his ability to throw the ball. Now, he never had a huge arm, but uh, he is stronger now. It seems than he was in his thirties, and and we saw Peyton tail off, and we saw Drew Brees tail off, and I just don't see that velocity um, going away with Tom Brady at this point. And so he, he is a freak. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I, well, you look across San Francisco, you know, Green Bay, if they get Aaron Rodgers back, uh, that will be a very good team. Uh, San Francisco, um, keeping Jimmy G healthy and, and that they had the potential. They had so many injuries last year on both sides of the ball. Um, and then the Rams are, are a dark horse because we just don't know how good Matthew Stafford's going to be in that. But they've got a running game. They've got the ability to run. And their offensive line is a question. It's old and, and uh, you know, but they're an interesting team. So Well, I, I think you nailed it because Green Bay, if Rodgers doesn't come back, they, to me, they'll be lucky to have a winning record. I'm sorry. Nothing against Jordan Love. Nine and eight might be high water. And then no Drew Brees for the Saints, with all due respect to Jameis and Taysom Hill. I got to see it. I mean, and they've yep. had issues in the playoffs. To me, the next team in the NFC is the Rams. I think they're the yep. number two team because their defense is outstanding. And even without Staley, defensively, they're going to be strong. They may not be the top defense, but if Stafford is, you know, good, not great, but just good, man, they could be right there. And for me, because I just, again, Saints are a huge question mark. And I don't, the Packers thing just feels like when I covered the Broncos in 1999 after Elway retired, <laughs> they started 0-4 with Brian Greasy yep. and I like Brian, but 0-4, you know, they, they don't, they choose Greasy over Bubby Brister and the season literally just went into a sinkhole and they end up six and 10. The Pack, Packers season to me just feels like it's on the brink and we haven't even gotten the training. Yeah. The Rams, that's a good freaking, I like that team. I like that team. Now, again, yeah. I see it. I was thinking back to that 99 season and, and uh, I did a, a column. I was at the Mercury News at the time and I called up. That was back when, when there were phone books and people still used landlines. And so I found guys, uh, I found a guy named Mike Shanahan in, uh, who lived in Colorado. And uh, he, uh, he worked or owned a bar, I believe. 
And he said people were calling him and swearing at him and hanging up. And, and so and then I found a guy named John Elway, who had obviously always had retired at that point. But this guy, uh, he was a Broncos fan. And not surprisingly, he wasn't in Colorado, but he was like in Mississippi or something. He was a Broncos fan named John Elway. And uh, I said, well, how are you know, Broncos are 0-4 at the time? And I remember him telling me, they're dead, buddy. They're dead. And and then and the greatest thing was the guy was a mortician. The guy was a mortician named John Elway. So I loved it. It was so much fun to do that story, to track down people with the same name and see if, they, see if people were, you know, calling them in the middle of the night. And sure enough, that Mike Shanahan guy, wherever he is, was getting phone calls from all over happy. the state. He wasn't happy. Yeah. Well, I, again, this, my guest is Sam Farmer from the LA Times. And Sam the, Sam reminds me of someone who should have been a baseball writer because we could sit and just talk and tell stories. The part of the reason I miss baseball, I don't miss the travel, but it's the nuance of baseball. Like you can talk about the nuance and the stories because you have so much access and there's so many games. It's 195 games when you count spring training but yeah. sam reports on football in a way that like i tried to report on baseball and you find these these nuanced stories and these intricacies and your paper and you know, god bless them they give you space you know it's like here we yeah. need seven voices in the story and can you do it in 13 inches it's like no it's like i'm not going <laughs> to string quotes together and that's part of my frustration yeah. at the end of my time at the post was that like the you just couldn't do stories the way you wanted to do them you can't do this in-depth feature in 700 words. Like I need yeah. 1500 words or what am I reporting on? Like, it doesn't make sense. And you do some of the most fantastic. What was the story you told me? Was it a, the, the, was it a driver? Somebody's driver? Was it uh, actually, was it their limo driver or someone you did a story on? You were telling me. Oh, you know what? It was, a, yeah, uh, John Gruden's right-hand man um, and still is, uh, is the guy who was the, uh, a preeminent rock band tour uh, bus driver. That was uh, it. Yeah, so this guy does everything for Gruden. He's on the sidelines for Gruden, but he was the he was the uh, uh, most in demand uh, driver. So he drove David Bowie, Paul McCartney, Grateful Dead, uh, uh, ACDC, and and Gruden's a big uh, music fan, uh, rock music fan, big ACDC fan, and. Uh, and so this guy, I asked him, you know, he had all these great stories about going into Long John Silver's with David Bowie and, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, watching Bowie order there. And, um, but I asked him, well, how do you become the, the preeminent tour bus driver? I mean, what, don't you just have to stay on the road and whatever? And he said, I treat the uh, the crew like the band and the band like the crew so he said that was the big life lesson for me the guys behind the scenes and stuff i treat them like kings and and have all the respect for them the guys who are the stars you treat them like normal people and okay. and they love that and he said that really helped me but he and gruden play name that tune that's one of the things they do that gruden has an escalate and and this guy will take a post-it note and put it over the uh, the satellite radio so you don't know who's playing and, and they'll try to name that tune in two notes or whatever of rock music and this guy just smokes Gruden at it and Gruden th he said I let the guy win a little bit and then I just run circles around him I let but him he win so he gets to keep playing yeah fascinating guy um 
and, and Gruden loves him. But yeah, I love sitting with you in the press room and just telling stories, swapping funny stories about this crazy life. And, and uh, we've been privileged to, to enjoy. So it's yeah. great. Few have any have done it better than you, Sam. And you're a great storyteller. And people, again, you need to read him in the other time. I, I don't know how much older you are than me, but I, I was reading you when I was still in, you know, high school, early college, and you just have a way of, you, you can spin it. You guys, I got this gray hair, Troy. Spin it tell. <laughs> Both have kids in college. I have one done with college. That's how old I feel. Yeah, one done already and one with a couple years left in Santa Barbara. So I'll still be out in California for a few more years. Uh, watching awesome. my son out there. But Sam, you've been gracious with your time. Again, Sam Farmer's with the LA Times. You can find him there. Uh, it's at Sam Farmer, uh, just at Sam Farmer LA Times. At LA Times Twitter. Farmer. LA Times Farmer, yeah. On Twitter, where he's got stuff up there. And I know in these coming weeks with Hall of Fame stuff coming up and other stuff coming up, make sure to keep an eye on what Sam's going to be writing because he writes stories that nobody else writes. And I'm not just saying that. He does. So when you see him... Uh, pitch one of those stories and promote one of those stories on Twitter. It will be uniquely different and told in a way that will make you feel like you were riding shotgun with him on the, on his journey. Oh, thank you, Troy. Well, thank really you, Sam. I appreciate it. Be well. I know you got some time off coming, so enjoy it. And I can't wait to see and cross paths with you soon in a press box, either here in Denver or at SoFi. Awesome. Thanks so much, Troy. Great seeing you, buddy. You as well. Thanks for joining me on my Believe in Broncos podcast. Again, my guest, Sam Farmer from the LA Times. Please check out his work. He is one of the best writers in the country, not just NFL, just best writers. So check his work out. Take this time now to thank my sponsors, Superbook Sports. They've been great to me. Again, have the new sports book in the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. I've been there. It's fantastic. I want to thank Darby Hoggett at Hoggett Injury Law for their sponsorship as well. And thank my son Dagan for producing this podcast because remember, Broncos country, I do this podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube